Poised for Exit is a show for business owners who want to achieve a successful future exit based on their own terms. Your business exit will likely be the biggest financial transaction of your life. And for most, you'll have one shot at doing it right. The topics and guests we feature and the stories they share will provide valuable ideas and strategies to improve operations and grow enterprise value so you can achieve the best possible exit outcome. Now here's your host, Julie Keys. Welcome everybody to Poised for Exit, the podcast show for business owners. In today's episode, we are going to be speaking with the Director of Business Owner Transition Services with a very large accounting and advisory firm. But first, we're going to hear from our show sponsors, Sunbelt Business Advisors, JAK CPAs, and Keys Strategies. You wouldn't go deep sea fishing without a guide or skydive without an instructor. So don't sell your business without a broker. Now is a great time to sell a business. Many are selling at a premium. Contact a business broker at sunbeltminnesota.com or call Sunbelt Business Advisors at 612-455-0880 and get a free confidential business valuation so you'll know what your business might be worth. Because selling your business is the biggest financial decision you may ever make. There is a record number of buyers looking for businesses right now. It is a seller's market. You could list, sell, and get more for your business now and start the next successful chapter of your life. Call 612-455-0880 today or visit sunbeltminnesota.com. Minnesota's largest seller of companies. 612-455-0880, sunbeltminnesota.com. For business owners... It can be overwhelming to start planning a transition or exit strategy, but it's so important to avoid unwanted outcomes and unexpected tax bills. The CPAs at JAK, John A. Knutson & Company, can guide you and help make sense of the numbers. Our firm was established over 90 years ago, and we've assisted countless companies with ownership transitions. Leaving your business is a process that takes time, so contact us today to discuss your situation. Visit our website at jakcpa.com. That's jakcpa.com. Hey, Poised for Exit listeners, let me tell you about an exciting new program that I produced for business owners called Business Transition Readiness Program. The Business Transition Readiness Program, or BTR for short, is an online, self-paced, cost-effective way for you, the business owner, to gain an understanding of what exit planning is, who's involved, and how to get started with the process. Learn more about this timely program now at poisedforexit.com. Use promo code BTR50 to receive $50 off your course registration. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today with Heather Parpst, who is the Director of Owner Transition Services with Clifton Larson Allen. Heather, welcome to Poised for Exit. Hi, Julie. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. This is... um. This is an honor for me to have you on the show, not only because of the work that you do, um, but because of the background that you have and because you're, you know, a fellow SEPA like me, Certified Exit Planning Advisor. And so, and, you know, um, a very accomplished woman business advisor. So happy to have you here. I'm excited to get diving in. Oh, Julie, thank you. Coming from that, from you, that means a lot. Well, that's, that's mutual there. So... First, before we get started, though, Heather, and the subject matter is, is very 
timely and lots of listeners out there are really interested in listening about, you know, the work that you do with transition services, especially when it comes to family business. But how did you get there? Like, how, like let's talk about your background and, and the work that you've been doing and, and like what it was that compelled you to do this work, you know, oh along, my gosh. along okay. the path. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So my career started in counseling and psychology. I, um, my original plan was to be a psychologist. I was going to save the world, started out on that path and started to burn out pretty quickly in that field. And so I decided to transfer over or transition over into the business world. Hmm. And just through a series of events, I ended up co-owner of an IT services firm and was with my then husband. Uh, And so we had that firm for, gosh, probably about eight years. It started out as just a one-person operation, and we scaled it up and sold that. And then from there, I said, okay, this was, that was an interesting ride, right? Mm, um, mm-hmm. No background in business. What am I, what was I doing there? But what I, what I learned through that process was that um, I loved the business side of things like growing a firm, growing a team. I love the leadership elements of it. And I love the behavior side too. And mm-hmm. so I wanted to combine those two. So I said, well, it makes sense for me to go into consulting and coaching. So I did that for a little uh, while on my own, uh, worked with some family businesses there, um, and then was uh, snapped up by a management consulting firm. And that's really where I got my sea legs, I feel, um, on the consulting side of things. And so they, it was, it was a, a pretty wild ride. They um, had me doing a lot of different types of work. So I did everything from strategic planning to executive coaching, and I was, I was coaching, you know, these small one, two person operations up into, um, you know, fortune 500s. And then we were doing culture work and uh, culture transformation, leadership training. It was, it was great. Uh, It was really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And then towards, um, I'd been there for a little while and my CEO, he was like, Heather, you're, you know, you've got this, um, you've actually sold a company and we really want to build out this business transition service. Can you take point on that? So I said, sure. So I spent the next couple of years working with them to uh, build out their business transition services model. And that's really where uh, we brought in um, another partner and he had a lot of expertise in family business. And so I really started working with, with him on the family business side, on the business transition side. And then I got my SEPA, uh, which was a really cool um, additional perspective. And so mm-hmm. I was able to fold in you know, the owner, the owner side of that as well. So that's, that's kind of a quick version of the journey. It's been a weird one. I'll say that, uh, but here I am. <laughs> well, what a background though. I mean, when you think about the work that you do, especially in family business and having that psychology background, um, I mean, that, that has to help you with de-escalating issues, um, helping people think through things, go a little bit deeper, just, just having that whole softer side conversation because it's it's essential to the work that we do, right? And not everything that we yeah. do is is a tactical, you know, technical um, work on the practice side. Although there's a lot of it, but there's also a lot of the soft side that you know a lot of advisors don't even want to go there. Yeah, you know? and I think that that's unfortunate um, be, because really, I mean, sometimes you you have to go there, you have to, to to kind of walk through that stuff to really get them to a point where they can. They're even willing to consider change. Um, And I think that there's a lot of missed opportunities across the board in all all aspects of business because they're not willing to have those conversations or lean into. And when I say they, I'm talking about not just the families themselves, but the 
the advisors, they're not willing to lean into that and really, you know, mm-hmm. kind of get their feet dirty a little bit and, and dig into some of that stuff. And that's really where the, the change happens, uh, in my opinion. So yes, it's been a, it's, it's been an asset, an asset in a lot of ways. Sometimes I, I kind of wish I didn't see the things I see that other oh, people might miss. Sure. Um, but overall, it's yeah, it's been a huge advantage for me. I'm sure that it has. Now, as we talk about owner transition and the work that you're doing at CLA, I'm sure that you are having very deep conversations with clients about choosing a successor. So yes. let's talk about how you go about that with them. Um, yeah, so one of the things I do um, right off the bat is a lot of times, so Julie, sometimes they'll come to me and they say, yes, we know exactly who our successor is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're really still on the fence. Do we want to do an outside sale? We think we may have one or two people in the organization that might be a good fit. Mm-hmm. And so regardless of what the situation is, one of the first things I, I tell them to do is say, look at this as a windshield exercise as opposed to a rear view mirror exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, so really look at what the organization is going to need moving forward, not what got it to this point. I think mm-hmm. that's really critical. One of the questions I like to ask owners is, how has your job changed since uh, you started the company? And that immediately starts to get them thinking like, oh, yeah, there has been quite a lot that's happened in the last, you know, 20, 30 years uh, since I, um, you know, started this or took over or whatever. So that starts to get them thinking that, yes, there is, um, it's going to look different moving forward. So uh, thinking through that and then saying, okay, these are the challenges that this leader might face. These are the skill sets that I think this organization is going to need moving forward, the competencies that they may need moving forward. Um, and then you, you take all of that, you, you make a list, and then you say, okay, these are my potential candidates. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what it, whether it's your son or daughter and you know that they're going to be the person that you hand the company off of or off to, it's worth sending them through that exercise and really seeing how they stack up against what the company needs. And, you know, during that, through that process, you often get some clarity around maybe areas that they need to develop, um, maybe areas that they're already really, really strong and it confirms your decision. Mm-hmm. Um, or you may see that they really just aren't the best fit. Mm. But it's, that's one of the, the first things we do is, is just walk them through, walk them through that exercise. Brilliant. Um, gosh, I mean, how many people have been promoted to their level of incompetency in family business and you know, not intentionally, but unintentionally, and it doesn't win, you know, no one wins, right? It doesn't no. help anybody. And uh, so being able to assess that right up front is really smart. I remember a couple of situations in the past with clients of family businesses who had, you know, <clears throat> next generation that they wanted to bring through the ranks, or were already planning to, and we're already trying to groom, and then discovering that um, either the person wasn't qualified or wasn't interested or both. And that yeah. can really be um, that can be really devastating. You know, it kind of dashes the dreams of you know the founders of the company, and and um, yeah, so delicate matters. I'm sure you've had to handle those before. What are some of the things, though, when you think about everything that has to happen in a transition situation? What are some of those things that you really wish the owners actually knew, <laughs> and, instead of having to learn the hard way? or having, you know, rude awakening from what you tell them? Just the way they approach it, I think, sometimes. I think there's this this shroud of secrecy that um, mm-hmm. business owners often hold on to, and that, that can really get them into trouble. So one piece is really just having conversations with these potential successors. You know, mm-hmm. I think 
you know, they, they make these plans in their head and, and, you know, we'll have conversations and say, well, yeah, I'm pretty sure I want, you know, George to take over the company, but George has no idea. So George is on this trajectory. He, he really wants to grow his career. Mm -hmm. He's been working with Bob for, you know, 10 years now. And Bob's never said a peep about potentially allowing George to step into that role. So over time he, he goes for plan B and then, you know, the owner's left in a lurch. So um, that's one frustrating thing I I see a lot. When it comes to family businesses, Mm -hmm. um, something that I notice a lot is this, and and I think sometimes it happens with smaller companies. uh, Maybe they just don't, they're so, you know, the the business is their life and, and they look at ownership and employment kind of as one and the same. And so I think particularly in in situations where it's like a family succession or, you know, the parents wanting to allow their children to benefit from all of this hard work that they've, you know, put into this organization. So they want them to have ownership, but Mm -hmm. they equate ownership and employment as the same. Yes. And those two don't have to go together. And sometimes they shouldn't go together. You know, sometimes Mm skill sets don't align, interests don't align, timelines don't align, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe the son or daughter would be a good candidate, but they're not going to be ready for another 10 or 15 years. So, you know, you don't want to put them in a leadership seat yet, but you maybe want them to have some ownership. Right. So they can have ownership, they can be getting, you know, dividends, but not necessarily um, putting them in a a leadership role um, unless and until they're ready. Um, Mm -hmm. Another thing that I think is important is this idea um, of, Parents in particular wanting things to be fair for their children. Yeah. And so they, in their minds, they equate fair as equal. Yes. And so you, you run into a situation where you've got son and daughter working in the company or cousins or whatever. And there's this, you know, uh, one, there might be this conflict for the business owners, you know, around who moves up. But even secondary to that, there's this um, effort to make things fair. And so they may compensate equally. And if they're both doing the same job, then, then that might be appropriate. But if you have, say, daughter over here as the CFO and son over here as the uh, basket weaver, mm-hmm. they should be compensated as CFO and basket weaver, not necessarily. Those are likely not to be um, uh, equal salaries. Right. And so an example is a, um, a, a construction company I, I did work for, and it was, it was two sons. Um, one son was very mired in the operations of the business. He was putting in, you know, a good 50 hours a week, maybe, maybe even more, you know, kind of had become the backbone of the business in a lot of ways. And the other son had another role. I don't even remember what his position was, but he was maybe putting in 20 hours a week and complaining about it the whole time. And, you know, he, there there was just, there was just such this, it, it was clearly um, one was doing significantly more for the company yeah. um, at a significantly high, higher caliber um, role than this other son, but they were both being paid equally. Sure they were. And, you know, in was the, that the end, mom? That up, <laughs> was the mom behind that? It was that? not. Oh, okay. It was not. <laughs> Sounds like a mom it, thing. It was, it was not. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. Yeah. So, you know, the, the consequences of that, especially if it was to get out to employees as well, mm-hmm. is just, you know, it's it, it's um, a recipe for animosity and resentment yes. 
Right. Um, and um, what's the word? Um, entitlement. A recipe oh, yeah. for entitlement. Yeah, I know. And and then you know when, especially when you've got someone that's asked to take a leadership position that isn't ready for it, and then you've got tenured employees that have to answer to and report to that person who isn't really qualified yeah. to manage them. Um, that definitely can upset the apple cart big time. And we, you know, know right now what's going on in in our, you know, ec- economy and in the business world. It's really tough to retain good people, and we don't want to lose good right. people. So we want to make sure that um, that we've got good governance in place, which is kind of what you're talking about. I'm assuming yeah. that you help with handling governance, which is huge yeah. in family business. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's another whole conversation that yeah. we could have. And, you know, so let's keep going with the stories. Maybe one more story. I, I, I'm sure that you've got, you know, an example of how a business owner can get in their own way. I mean, I've been working with business owners for a long time myself. I've been a business owner for a long time, just like you. We have similar, um, you know, startup, startup, like with the husband and wife kind of thing. And, and having employees is really tough. Um, but t- share a story with how, um, like, what are the most common ways that an owner can get in their own way? Because sometimes when listeners hear these stories, it kind of mirrors their own situation. And I think yeah. for us as human beings, we learn so much from stories. So, Gosh, trying to pick just one, Julie. I, I think one of the, the biggest ways that, um, business owners get in their own way and it sounds awful to say, but they just don't leave. And, mm. and so that, that puts people, you know, successors in particular in a real lurch, um, mm. because they're, they're waiting on the sidelines, they're ready to step in. Um, and the business owner stays in their role mired in the day to day, which you talk about in your book quite a bit. And I 100% agree. That's one of the biggest things that we work with business owner owners with is just being able to kind of step out of that day to day, but they stay in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really just creates um, no, no opportunity for growth for the, the potential successors. And so um, an example is a an, another family business that I worked with. Mom was leading the company. Son was trying to step in. Mom would not let go, uh, would not uh, relinquish responsibility um, in any way. And, and the consequence of that was the son was never able to really build um, his skills to uh, be able to lead the company. And so um, and as time went on, it, it became a real struggle because mom's health started to decline mm. and her ability to lead the organization um, kind of start, started to decline as well. And he just was really trying to um, struggle to keep this company afloat and building process and procedure around her, um, you know, just to, just to keep things running. And so that's, that's more of a, uh, a not so good story about that, but that is, that happens more often than I'd like to admit. Yeah. It, and, and you see, you know, like we talked about before, the ripple effect of that, those decisions of not taking action and resisting and digging in your heels um, yeah. is is really detrimental for everybody, including the employees, you know, the legacy of the business and so on. So that was a good example. I appreciate you sharing that. So let's flip it over now. We've been talking about the owners and dilemmas with them. And I'm, you know, I lived a lot of that myself, so I'm not pointing any fingers. They come right back at me. When I look back on those years of, um, you know, not wanting to leave, um, but I had to, you know, we had a buyer for heaven's sake. I wasn't going to be able to stay. Um, but but there's a there is something about being a founder 
and having it be part of who you are and your identity that yes. that is very real, not tangible, but very real for men and women. Um, but on the flip side, though, when you're trying to groom a successor and prepare someone to take over, what does that look like on your end? So I, I think uh, w- one piece, again, is doing that initial you know, preparatory work to really identify what the organization is going to need moving forward. We already talked about that. And I encourage um, owners to get information from other people in their organization. I had one uh, guy construction owned a construction company, and he went as far as having me as part of the discovery process for her, his owner transition hmm. uh, planning to interview key leaders in his organization to determine who they felt would be a good successor and what the skills and traits of the next of the successor should be. And that was incredibly helpful for them and also got them to buy into that process, right? So having a really clear understanding of what that new leader is going to need and then building out a development, you know, folding them in, as I mentioned before, like letting mm-hmm. them know that they may be the potential successor and then building a leadership development, you know, plan around them that really includes building out those skills, identifying what they enjoy about the organization and figuring out how to capitalize on their skills in that way. Um, looking for ways to really challenge them, giving them special projects where they can, you know, excel and build on those skills, uh, figuring out with them, like, what do they see as a long-term, uh, their long-term role in the organization and how they're going to add value. Mm. And then one of the things I like to do a lot with um, incoming leaders is some type of uh, like a 360 evaluation where we can really get some, you know, tangible, meaty, information on how they currently are as a leader, where they're, where they're needing to develop. A lot of times it's, you know, they need to get better at delegating or holding people accountable Mm -hmm. or just improving on some of those, you know, soft skills, those communication skills, things like that. So building out a leadership plan, a leadership development plan, and then having them work with somebody that's going to hold them accountable and set specific deliverables and measurables so that you can see them progressing. Yes. Because there's nothing worse than to say you're going to transition your company to somebody, you know, and then six months, a year out before you're ready to transition and you find out that they are really just not ready at all. So Mm -hmm. moving them through that process holds everybody accountable and helps set them up to be successful. That sounds amazing. And wouldn't it be great if they all followed that advice? Well, that's what we're it here would. for, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, to, to dispense this wisdom so we can help our listeners out there and the advisors who work with them to have successful outcomes. That's what Poised for Exit is all about. So, Heather, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, we got to have you back because there's so much more that you can share. I just know it. But for now, thank you. Um, absolutely, thank you. What's the best way for people to reach you? Uh, LinkedIn is an easy go-to for me and I check it regularly. And then they could also reach me on, on, uh, over the phone, 407-244-9385 is my direct line. Perfect. We will be tagging you on social media and LinkedIn for sure. And for our listeners, thank you so much for listening to this show. Please share it and follow us on your favorite platforms and subscribe and review and all those good things. We really, really appreciate it. And join us again next time as well.
Hey, everybody, there's an exciting event coming up October 6th in the Twin Cities. Mark your calendars for the fourth annual Owners Forum hosted by the Twin Cities Metro Area Chapter of the Exit Planning Institute. Our keynote speaker will be Super Bowl champion Ben Utecht. Ben is going to speak to us about how a strong company culture drives enterprise value. You won't want to miss this. For more information, check out the link in our show notes for this episode.